1: Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. (laughs) This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And today, I will be your host, Kyle Scunwell, through this spooky journey. And I'm joined by my partner in crime, Robbie Earl. Sit back. (laughs) <laughs> Relax and enjoy this spectacular experience. Okay I'm sorry I'm done. How are you?
2: <laughs> I was kind of I mean if how if long you could had, I go? In, the, in the same way that Giacchino committed hard to black and white, I would have been totally okay if you committed hard to... 45 plus minutes of spooky voice.
1: (laughs) While I was waiting for you to call me to do this podcast, I had prepped like, hey, do the intro like that. it will be kind of funny. But then I started (laughs) and I realized like, I'm like 30 seconds into this thing and I don't know where I'm going.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to you and our listeners to the Werewolf by Night uh, Halloween special review. Our initial reactions, maybe our only reactions, let's see what happens. Uh, Yeah. Man, I've been really looking forward to this one because this is one of those projects that I kind of didn't believe would actually happen.
1: (laughs) I'll (laughs) Believe it when I see it. Yeah,
2: well, it was like announced sort of and then we just didn't hear anything about it until like a month or two ago. And then it was like, oh, yeah, like we're getting a trailer and it's all – but it was just one of those like – is this going to be quietly shelved? Is what what is the role of Werewolf by Night? How should I be feeling about it? Wh- when are we actually going to be covering it? And then out of nowhere, here it
1: is, and I'm I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, I have no idea what you're going to say. Before we dive in, Robbie, I need to share one disclaimer. Yeah, the strangest thing about Annika, my wife, if you're new to this podcast. <sighs> Like, she won't watch Stranger Things season three or four because it's too scary. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: Even though I think she liked the show originally, she really doesn't mess with anything grotesque or creepy or jumpy at all, ever. But she is obsessed with monster movies. I told you this before. Oh, that's right. right. Remember, she's, like, super into, like, Like Godzilla. Godzilla versus Kong and, like, Kaiju from Pacific Rim, and <laughs> she loved Werewolf by Night. Like, when I told her, I'm like, hey, this might actually be kind of creepy. I've heard there's a little bit of blood. I'm not sure if you're going to want to watch it. She's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, but just, let's well, come on. It's a date night. Let's try it. And then we get done, and she's like, wow. I love it. I am so obsessed. It's like with the twist, and obviously spoilers here. Of the monsters being kind of friendly, that's like right. a million percent her scene. Yeah. That's like yeah. a scary movie with monsters that ultimately you cheer for the monsters, a la Godzilla. <laughs> this is right, like, she she loves it, Robbie. It's this, it's like we've been married now for what, 12 years, and uh uh-huh. it's the strangest thing about her.
2: Man, that is so funny because I I expected that to be Candace, and Candace watched this with with me and was not into it. Really? I really thought that this was going to be up her alley. And in fairness, I was just telling you earlier, she's had a crazy kind of work weekend situation. Uh, So I think it it might be what you and I have been talking about for She-Hulk where it's very situational.
1: mental based yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I just don't think she was necessarily in the – I, I like I like to think that it's the sort of thing that, in the right headspace, she would be into, but she did assure me that it was not environmental that she just was not into it, and she gave me some reasons that I'm actually kind of curious to to run by you because I don't know if I agree with them, but I do
1: think that they're valid points that is shocking, yeah, right i'm I'm with you. I would have put my eggs in the basket of her really liking this. Like, I thought she for, would love how different it is, like Multiverse yeah, of Madness. Yeah. I thought she would like that it is yeah Multiverse
2: of Madness. Yeah, because, I mean, again, for people that, that are not longtime listeners, Candace, is yeah, she was hugely into Multiverse of Madness. I think for a lot of the reasons, I thought she would be into Werewolf by Night. But again, I, I think some of the points she raised will kind of make for an interesting discussion here in a second.
1: All right, so before we get into it, If you're just finding this podcast on our Werewolf by Night episode, welcome. First of all, glad to have you here. There's so much stuff to dive into if you're into the friends from work thing. You can check out our Slack channel. It's a cool community of, I think, 600 people or so that just chat about Marvel stuff and a few other things. It kind of has replaced a lot of social media for us, and we Mm -hmm. love that. You can find that on our website, the ffwpodcast.com, the ffwpodcast.com, as well as other links on there. We sell some cool merchandise if you're into what you're hearing. But most importantly, subscribe to this podcast, go back and listen to our other episodes. If you're watching She Hulk, we have weekly coverage of that and so much more. So glad to have you here. Robbie, I think let's just get into Werewolf by Night with this lovely intro music.
2: Love that, *Werewolf by Night* is directed by Michael Giacchino, uh, which we've talked about some here and there, mostly on the on the Patreon side of things. But obviously, Michael Giacchino is known as being, man, I, in some ways, the preeminent composer of of the day. I mean, in terms of just the sheer amount of projects that he's been cranking out, you know, we've commented on how wild that is. So apparently, Cicchino came to Marvel, you know, in in the last few years and told them that he wanted to move more into directing. And I think this project is one that he specifically pitched and fought for. And, you know, in interviews that I've I've read and and clips that I've seen, I think that a lot of what we see comes straight from his brain. And I think Kevin Feige kind of gave him free reign in that regard. So... I say all that to say, while this was not written by Giacchino, I do get the sense that he put a lot creatively into it. Now, it was written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron, who are two Marvel Disney Plus veterans at this point. Uh, Heather Quinn wrote for Hawkeye. Peter Cameron wrote for both Moon Knight and WandaVision. So he's been around in the Disney Plus era since the beginning there. Uh, As folks may remember, it's kind of fun that he wrote on Moon Knight because Moon Knight, the character, first appeared in an issue of the comic Werewolf by Night, uh, which was a pretty big Marvel offering back in the 70s. So for only being 52 minutes, this has a, a pretty large cast. The most prominent members are Gail Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell slash The Werewolf by Night. Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone and Harriet Sansom Harris as Verusa, uh, Ulysses Bloodstone's widow. We also have Billy Swan, Al Hamacher, uh, Eugenie Bondurant, Kirk Thatcher, and Leonardo Nam as monster hunters, um, in addition to Jacob Maya and Daniel J. Watts. And we have a man thing showing up, although. I am, uh, I'm not sure at this point who is, who's playing Man-Thing, <laughs> if, if anyone. Uh, Do your and, homework. I know, right? Uh, and of course, the score for Werewolf by Night is by right. none other than Michael Giacchino showing up at, you know, exceptionally well here, which makes sense. So that is our cast and crew. Let's get into Werewolf by Night.
1: So I'm kind of nervous now because I loved it. But I'm nervous that Candace influenced your experience and we're going to fight about this or not? No. you know. Okay, so here's
2: the thing. I actually think people kind of like when we fight about stuff. So there's like a little bit of a temptation <laughs> for me to lean into it. But no, I, I also loved it. But I kind of appreciate, in some ways, it's the best of, of all worlds because I had a great time watching it and I'm kind of looking forward to, to re-watching it. But I also got the the kind of devil's advocate perspective that I can bring to the episode. So I'm I feel like I'm, I'm in a great spot right now,
1: which will be unique, because as it stands right now, again, we are recording this before it's out. It has 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah. Wow. Uh, in fairness, it's only like 12 reviews, though, right?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Okay. At the risk of sounding like a broken record here, if you're just finding this podcast, I'm going to repeat myself one time, but we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. But Robbie and I at Friends From Work are big fans of Marvel taking big swings in phase four. Mm -hmm. I am currently going through a rewatch of the entire MCU simultaneously while watching this new content. And it's really fascinating for a lot of reasons. These are projects in phase four that we just would not have gotten years ago. And personally, I'm a really big fan of them trying really new, different things. Not everything is going to be everybody's scene. And I'm becoming more and more okay with that because I'm appreciating if they're going to go for it, they better go for it. And this feels Again, not quality-wise, but this feels on par with WandaVision as far as just the wildest thing we've watched in the MCU. Not in film, but we've just never had anything even remotely close to this.
2: Well, and the the commitment to a genre, I think, is also kind of reflective of WandaVision.
1: So I think... Whether you prefer this or don't or it wasn't that fun for you or it was, you need to first just recognize that, one, it's incredible that they're trying this big of swings. And, two, just the commitment to the genre you're talking about is admirable. So you got to give it some credit even if you don't like it right off the bat. That's my first premise. Right. My second premise is it's really interesting to see – them start to explore the monster genre that's a branch that we have not messed with at all in the MCU right so you Mm kind of got like a grounded political branch we have like the zany cosmic space branch I think there's a branch for like a little bit more trippy sci-fi time travel-y type branch Mm -hmm. and now, are we starting, like, a monster branch with Blade, with Werewolf by Night? Is this going to be a new thing for the MCU? And that'll be fascinating yeah. to track. That's I mean, my maybe, opening maybe two Dane thoughts. Maybe Dane Whitman? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, first off, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think what I respect a lot about this particular project is Marvel's willingness to give G- Giacchino room to to really have fun with it. And, you know, we talk about WandaVision working so well, and I think that's largely because they were allowed to really commit to the format and the genre. And I knew that Giacchino wanted to do that. I knew that he saw this as a love letter to a lot of those kind of classic universal, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon era films. And I had heard him say things that we've heard often from people we've had on the show that that work on Marvel projects that Kevin and, and other folks were willing to kind of let him go wherever he wanted to go. But still, sometimes I come to Marvel projects and I'm thinking, whenever I hear Marvel say, okay, we're going to do A, I can't help but compare it to, like, whenever Taylor Swift is like, I'm going to do a folk album. I love Folklore, the album. I also love Evermore. If you want to talk Taylor Swift with me, you can message us at theFFWpodcast.com. But my point is, it's a mainstream version of that stuff, right? Like, you're going to get Taylor Swift's take on Phoebe Bridgers, but you're not going to get Phoebe Bridgers. So there's a part of me that's like, whenever Marvel, as the kind of biggest name in entertainment right now says we're gonna do this very unique thing. I always set my expectations as, well, they're not gonna go, you know, as far as probably other folks would because they're gonna try to be a little bit safer. And so then I it just makes me respect it so much more when I show up and they're they're going for it. Like you said, like they're going they're going for the big swings. And they keep I I don't mean to say this in that I've been led to believe this by phase four offerings, because you're right. They continue to do that with Multiverse of Madness. I think you could make the same argument for Love and Thunder, whether or not you were into it. But again, I I think I just continue to be surprised based on the, the Marvel that I knew for years and years that was so tight and so good, but also I think really, really aware of what was in the mainstream consciousness. And I've really enjoyed seeing them kind of push some of those boundaries. And, and I think this is, you know, along with Moon Knight, I would say one of the bolder swings, uh, at least of the, of the year.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's interesting because they end up doing more of the homage to the actual horror films of the 70s and 80s. It's more that than it is Marvel does the horror films yes. of the 70s and 80s. Yeah, you know I mean? Yes. yeah. So I agree with you. You're totally right because it, it's not a knockoff version or at least they go further than we think they're going to every time. Like to when WandaVision did the sitcoms. Yes. We thought, yeah. okay, it's going to be Marvel does sitcoms. No, you know, they actually did it in black and white. They went to an old sitcom set. They did it live mm-hmm. in front of an audience with actual props on strings. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. They actually did it <laughs> using lights from the fifties, you know? Right. And man, I just, I love that. And I I feel like
2: we talked about this some, um, well, we've talked about this multiple times with different films and I'm not going to go back into that, but I think this is a great example of if something like this were made by an indie studio and dropped, I think people would freak out about it. I mean, people are, you know, critics are kind of freaking out and that it's 100% Rotten Tomatoes, and we're recording this before it's released, so I don't know what the general reaction will be among viewers. But I feel like this is one of those things where if you stuck, like, A24's logo on it, uh, it starts to become this really fun really campy in this way that people respect and think is super bold project. But I wonder how many people come to something like this and look at it through the, oh, well, you know, it is Marvel doing this or Disney doing this lens and, and just automatically kind of lower the, the grade that they're going to give it. When like, I do think that this is something that you're right. Like it's, it doesn't feel like a Marvel thing.
1: They seem intent on ending the critique from years ago of Marvel has a formula. Here's how they do it. <laughs> now it's right. Now the critique is I kind of missed the formula a little bit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking about the different branches of the MCU. It's interesting to me that I liked this experience so much of watching this because just preference-wise, not quality-wise, just for me, if you kind of mm-hmm. ranked those different branches, and you know this. I really, really like the trying to guess what's going to happen head gamey sci fi thriller. Uh huh. I also really like the adventure branch of it, right? So, like, uh-huh. I think that's where I get the, the Guardians of the Galaxy love, you know? Right. That's not right. so much like a, oh, I can't guess what's going to happen. It's a adventure thing. I've never been as high on like magic, dragons, Sure. Beasts side of things, which is why I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. I love it, right. but I'm not right. like diehard, diehard. Yeah. I haven't got right. into Game of Thrones, that stuff. And then the other branch, I'm not super big into the monster stuff. Not like Annika, at least. Um, and so, <laughs> like, if I had to rank those, you know, the monster thing would probably be the lowest one, genre-wise. Right. And yet, I really, really enjoyed this. So... I think that says something. That's my point. (laughs) 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 All right, Robbie. So speaking of the devil, Anika literally just walked in. I'm recording this at home, not in my studio. So I'm going to let her (laughs) say something for a second here.
0: Love that so much. Anika. Hi.
2: Hey, welcome to our uh, Werewolf by Night initial reactions episode. my word. It's
0: so good to be here. I'd love to hear your interactions. I'm supposed to be talking closer to the microphone. This is not. I don't know how to record (laughs) things. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to get all the way up like this.
1: What do you want to say about Werewolf by Night?
0: Um, it's so fun. I did have to kind of look at my phone through parts of it because there were parts that are like a little too like I don't I I don't want to be like super freaked out. Um, But it was really really fun. Like the I love a good monster. I thought Ted was hilarious. I don't fully understand the concept of a swamp monster that, like, burns people. Like, those two things don't really Mm -hmm. seem to make sense in my brain. Mm -hmm. But, like, but thought he was fantastic and just the...
1: Also that his name is just Ted, by the way.
0: Ted. So sweet. Um, And, yeah, like, there's definitely, like, a good amount of, like, graphic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's kind of like this these cheerworthy moments, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is like, I don't I don't want anybody to get slammed with like a hook in the back of their head. I know that's so graphic. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, but like well, they all
1: watched it. That's
0: true. That's true. true. <laughs> true. You you watched it, so you know. Um, but you're kind of like yeah, like it. There's just like so much. Yeah. It's, yeah.
1: Annika is totally okay with violence and gore as long as it's against the people that she wants to die.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: You know what?
0: I get that. I loved the little part at the end where it's the somewhere over the rainbow and it's turning into the color. I thought that was such a cool transition.
1: We got to get into that still, by the way. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead.
0: Um, But yeah, just like visually super fun. Um, Yeah. And I can't wait to listen back to what you guys have already talked about to learn more about like some of the different monsters and- because, yeah, I loved, it. I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, uh, and that's I that's give how Kyle I feel. This, yeah. I'm going to give Kyle the headphone back. Bye.
2: Wow. That makes me so happy because I never... Like, this is one that I would not... I didn't think about Annika's Godzilla love, so I wouldn't have thought that... <laughs> she that, loves
1: Godzilla so much. <laughs> I
2: wouldn't have thought that she would like this this much. But I, it makes me so happy. Man, yeah, I... One, I just, since we just talked about it, I want to get this out. Uh, I thought the visuals here on kind of every level were incredible. Like, the, I thought the, the CGI to the, you know, it, when we were talking about like man thing and, and the werewolf looked great. Uh, the cinematography was great. Some of the shots were so fun. Like, the one where you have Elsa, ba- it's, we saw a bit of it in the trailer, but the full scene of her against the bars of the cage and the shadows. The, the way... That, w- one thing that I saw Jakino say in this featurette that we, that we retweeted was that he he grew up watching these movies and some of the scariest moments for him were just shadows. And I was thinking about that sitting down to watch this because he does a lot of that. Like, there is some gore. There are, like, some jump scares. But a lot of it is just building tension... Yeah, less than these, I
1: thought.
2: Yeah, well, and, and it, it, it's like what you always talk about in that Spider-Man Homecoming scene with Michael Keaton where he's, he's looking in the rearview mirror at Peter and he's having the realization that he knows who he is and that it's this, it's a scene where so little is actually happening and, like, Liz is on her phone scrolling, but you feel this building tension and anxiety and weight mm-hmm. And I feel like we got that here, but in such a, a kind of campier format where it's like you, you know you're being transported into this very specific genre. And then if you're willing to kind of let that frame everything, then it's just so much fun. And there's so many kind of highs and lows for it to, to take you on that I, I totally agree with what Annika said uh, on kind of all those All those fronts. And I'm excited to talk about the the color thing here as well.
1: If we're going to quickly pause on the visuals, Rob, yeah, I have to reiterate, yes, the shot of the guy turning into the werewolf, but just via the shadow and the flashing was incredible. That was maybe my favorite visual of the whole thing. Yeah. The way they transitioned to the color was really Uh striking because you haven't had it for 45 minutes, but we'll get to that one second. And then, yes, to also reiterate, Man-Thing is dope. Man-Thing yeah. is super dope. Yeah. Ted. Ted. Anyways. Okay, so, well, a couple things since you brought those
2: up. Let's just talk about the color scene real quick because the thing that I noted is it worked so well, but it was also so different from the transition that we got in WandaVision, which is you know clearly the the first thing to compare this to. And that's also a scene that I really loved. But there, it felt a lot more kind of whimsical. And it's funny because here they're playing somewhere over the rainbow and clearly doing a, a Wizard of Oz thing. But it felt a little like once the color came in, it was still kind of grainy. Like they were doing a... Yes, it was very grainy. Yep. Yes, I and, noticed that. Yeah, and I love that. It's like because it doesn't transition from black and white to, okay, now we're in like... 2022 film world it transitions to like just the other side of that into like color but still you know like mid 20th century horror film vibes which
1: I really loved okay question for you on that is there something more to be interpreted to be extracted from that like why did it go color then yeah
2: what was he trying to
1: say with that
2: I was going to ask you the same thing. I I think,
1: I mean, I, (sighs) I mean, obviously there's a metaphor of the real monster is now gone and dead in the lady and the way they're treating those people. Right. And then, and now Elsa finally has that burden lifted and some freedom. So maybe it's like symbolic in that nature that, right. The burden's gone, but I just thought that was kind of unique that he didn't finish it out in black and white.
2: Well, it was, you know, like one difference between this and and Wandavision is that they, you know, they showed dates throughout on some of these tombs, and so it was very clear they were, that we we're operating in a at least semi modern time, you know, like it was like at least because some I. I There may be some that were later, but I at least saw like a a death in the 60s. So it's not as though like my initial thought was, oh, we're going, you know, this is this is maybe happening in the 30s. And because I had heard people talk about viewing it through this kind of like 30s era movie kind of lens. But this is happening in, in modern times within the MCU, right?
1: I think so, because if you notice when they're going in and out of the house, The lights are like LEDs. Huh. They're made to look like lanterns, but they're not actual lanterns. So I felt like that kind of dated it. Even though we're watching in black and white. Right. Why are they using actual light bulbs like that?
2: I don't know. (laughs) And and even the the weapons that people were speculating were like uh, TVA weapons Look semi-futuristic, right? I mean, like these, these like, whatever you, like whatever you would call them. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I, Electric yeah, like sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so I feel fairly comfortable saying that this was taking place in the modern time. And so I think it was, it was just, Giacchino giving us the black and white view of it at first. And yeah, I mean, I guess that I I think what you said is the best explanation I can give for the transition and that it was just the... like a, a, a changing of the guard kind of a thing, but... Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Let us know, I'm, I'm, audience.
2: Yeah, for sure. If and I'm curious something. to see, like, how that... I'm... I'm curious to see how a lot of these characters kind of carry forward out of this because it feels sure. so isolated. Like I don't, right. I don't, there, I, I mean, I don't think there were any, I'm sure people will find some. Someone's already pulled out screenshots and found ties to like Iron Man 2. But <laughs> at this moment, I cannot actually imagine any, any particular MCU connection, right?
1: Well, those electric pokers were hammer tech, Justin Hammer made those for Oh, them, there you go. You know, okay, yeah, so yeah. Yep. Found it. Easter yep. egg number one, Friends from Workstyle. <laughs> All right, more details coming. We'll be right back.
2: If you are just finding this podcast or if you've been listening for a little bit and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I enjoy this show, but I would really enjoy even more of it. We have an outlet just for you. That is Friends From Work Plus, which you can access on Patreon, or if you're an Apple listener, you can try for free on Apple Podcasts. And on the Patreon, we have a variety of different shows that are a ton of fun. Kyle has a movie club, and I actually just joined him to watch another Michael Cicchino short film in preparation for this. We also have a comics corner where Candace and I discuss the comics that inspire a lot of these MCU projects, and then sometimes Kyle and I just get to talk about a bunch of stuff we don't really have time to talk about on the main feed.
1: Yep, so it's $5 a month, and other examples of episodes include other things that get us really excited, Daredevil coverage, Yeah. other Spider-Man films being covered, sometimes even other films that have nothing to do with any of that stuff. So if you're looking for more bonus Friends from Work, Friends from Work Plus is for you. Check it out, as Robbie said, on Patreon or via Apple subscriptions. And you can find our Patreon and that link on our website, the FFWpodcast.com. EpicheroShop.com is your one-stop shop for all of your nerd merchandise needs. Yes, they stay really up-to-date with the MCU. So right now, you can still get Gore the God Butcher shirts. You can get She-Hulk t-shirts, which I'm wearing right now, by the way.
2: Both of which I've worn recording separate
1: episodes. Miss Marvel's shirt, which I packed for this week. Nice. All of their merchandise looks great, feels comfortable.
2: Yes, actually, Candace makes fun of me because of how much I wear Epic Hero Shop shirts around the house. There are so many fun ones. Dr. Strange, Spider-Man No Way Home, and then... And yeah, it, they, even beyond Marvel, there's a lot of fun Star Wars stuff. There's all kinds of just general nerd merch. So it is definitely worth checking out.
1: If you are just checking them out for the first time, use our promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK to save money off your first order. Again, that's FRIENDSFROMWORK as a promo code at EpicHeroShop.com.
2: Okay, so I I have two things broadly that I want us to cover here before we wrap up. One, I want to look at this from a critical aspect uh, as informed by Candace watching with me. And then I want to look at this uh, from an MCU perspective and just kind of what this adds to to the overall milieu that is the MCU at this point. So milieu, I should say. First off,
1: don't call us plucky. We don't know what it means, okay? <laughs> I don't know what Melu means, but I'll just Mel- take your you. word for it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, okay. First off, um, Candace's major critique was that there were too many characters in too short of a runtime for her to feel invested enough in anyone to really care what happened.
1: Okay, my response or do you want to, how do you want to do, how do you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear your response first. Well, I disagree because I feel like clearly early on you get the indication that yes, there are a lot of characters, but those other hunters are side characters. This is an Elsa Bloodstone, a werewolf and the evil witch lady story. Right. I don't think you're supposed to feel invested in in the Scottish guy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: That was my vibe. But I think that, but I do get where she's coming from because it's, it's essentially the length of one episode of a, of a series. And so totally. you are, y- you know, you're introduced to a lot. You're introduced to a whole different kind of lore and character set
1: it's a holiday special and from the get-go this was always going to be a unique deal you know right because right. we we knew it wasn't going to be a full length film so even if that's true there are constraints there that michael could have done nothing about you know what i mean oh for sure and and i again i didn't feel that
2: uh but you know i was also going into it with the mindset of well you know jack is going to be a main character else is going to be a main character and so I think that I was already zooming in on them. But I do think it's a fair, I, I, you know, I'm curious if you're listening and, and you had that reaction, uh, let us know. Because I, I, I could see where she was coming from, and that's why I said I, I think it's a fair point, but it's just not one that, that I really felt. That said, I do want to note that Candace pointed out how much she loved the visuals, like we said earlier, and to kind of transition into something else that I wanted to discuss She said that it made a lot of sense that Michael Giacchino uh, did the music here and directed because it was another excellent score from Giacchino in her view, but she thought the
1: score outranked the actual special. So even as a noted Michael Giacchino hater that I am...
2: Yeah, Kyle texts me every day, just like, it's another Wednesday of me hating Michael
1: Giacchino. Which I'm not. I love him, but there's only like (laughs) two people in our Slack that think I hate him. Um, I thought it was fantastic. One of his best works yet. I know that's crazy to say. And it actually leads me to a whole nother discussion, Robbie, that I just don't think our audience is ready for yet. Like, I don't know if you're ready to hear this whole tangent. so I don't know if I should do it. I just, (laughs) it it might be a little hot takey. It just, I don't know if people are ready, but I loved it here. I mean, now I'm curious. Now I want to hear it. I've had so much travel recently and so much extra time to be working and having headphones on. And I've been going through the entire playlist that you put together. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things about the MCU is the fact, I think, that there's so many different composers. When you go through the whole playlist and just go like Mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom from movie to movie to movie, it's fun to me to have different sounds, different songs. It's unique. like. I even am growing to appreciate the, like, Iron Man stuff or the Iron Man 2 stuff. That's not right, even great because right. it's just so different. Like, right. I'm, I'm starting to like the electric guitars more. Um, <laughs> right. I just don't know that giving Giacchino so many projects to compose is the right call. Like, I, I, I think you're, you're kind of watering down by nature yeah. the uniqueness of it because it's the same guy all the time. And so it's like, I get to Giacchino's Dr. Strange stuff. and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And then I'm just like, like the Thor love and thunder stuff is so forgettable to me. Mm. And I'm like, did we need to give him that? And so I guess I'm saying like, I want there to be different composers in the MCU. I like the different styles. And to me watching werewolf by night, this felt like a Giacchino like passion project musically. And maybe I'm way over reading it, but this felt like he right. really was invested because he was directing it. That makes sense. Yeah. Versus like a few of the more recent things have sometimes almost felt like he's just going through the motions. Yeah. That's so blasphemous.
2: No, but, no. I mean, I look, I think it's interesting. Like if you take any, any artist... If you take any creator across really any genre or like particular format and have them do so much it's it's sort of setting them up to be seen as repetitive, right? Because it's like you there's just nobody that can that can crank out an infinite number of things that never start to if if not like explicitly repeat themselves, at least start to blend together.
1: And-, and, and for the record, some of this commentary is also coming from non-MCU things like Lightyear. Like the music yeah. in Lightyear is not that revolutionary. It's just kind of a bummer because he used to be the guy that I felt like everything he did was unbelievable. So again, just to clarify so people don't think I'm crazy. I don't love a ton of what he did in Homecoming. I think Far From Home gets a little bit better, but it's not great. But what he did in Doctor Strange, No Way Home, and then here, to me, are fantastic. Like, those are fantastic scores. So it's not that I dislike everything he does. I just don't love what he did with Love and Thunder and Homecoming and Lightyear.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> I, so I, I, I like the Lightyear score, I think. Um, I, I'm I, not saying
1: it's bad. I just didn't right. leave going like, yes.
2: I actually think that, aside from, from Lost, which I still think kind of has a special place. Yep. I think my favorite Chiquino score... Oh, also Up, though. And Inside Out.
1: Up is absolutely legendary, no doubt.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I was just going to say... That's his best. Man, the Batman is... Yeah, that theme is dope. That theme it's is dope. so good. It's so good, and and it's not just the it's it's also like the like the funeral theme he has. Yep.
1: It's this is a man. whole tangent, no doubt. Yeah,
2: I know, I know, I, but
1: I, it's so, something feels different with that and like Love and Thunder. I don't know. It's like he nailed it with the Batman, but got a little like lost in the weeds of like having to incorporate metal guitars. Kind. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, like, for example, the ending of No Way Home is, like, peak Chiquino. He, he did things with that musical score, especially towards the end, that I didn't even think were possible with what he gave me in Homecoming. And it, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. It's still one of my easiest things to listen to, is, like, the last couple tracks on that No Way right. Home. So, again, just to clarify, I love what Way does. I just thought this was special. Physically.
2: yeah no uh, agreed and and the reason i think it's fair to go through all that is to show that it's not being a chiquino hater to point out that there are some things that have not that have not been as stellar as this i don't think he's ever turning in bad work and i don't think that's what you're no. saying but it is fun to see him shine in the way that that you saw him shine in something like lost
1: Right, and again, to reiterate, I like the variety of the different composers. So no matter what he did, at times I'm like, well, it's a bummer that the other guy didn't get a shot. Right. So that's not even his fault. And then secondly, what you were trying to say earlier, it's one guy. Like at some point, no matter what, it's coming from the same source of creativity, you know, <laughs> when right. you do so many records in one year. Right. Not 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 just records, but like the the biggest blockbusters of the year. Right.
2: I mean, it is truly wild the amount of projects that he's doing. Um, but yeah, I I totally agree. I think it was so fun to to watch this, having followed his career as a storyteller through music, because man, I just I lo- okay. I I think I really love his instincts. Like I I I like the the shots, like we talked about. I thought the acting was great, which obviously is a credit to them. But I also think, you know, you can tell whenever a director doesn't connect with a cast. And I definitely did not feel that here. Just the, the pacing, I thought was really great. It was a challenge, like you said earlier, to try to introduce all this and have a satisfactory one shot. I I think that for him to, to bring this to Marvel as such a kind of crazy wild resuscitation of this like 70s era and then to just knock it out of the park with characters like you know again a difference between like this and WandaVision is he didn't have the benefit of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany he didn't have any established characters to work with he didn't have anyone that has any level of name recognition as a character obviously there were some actors here that are well known but just a totally different thing and right, I thought he just nailed it in, in yeah. almost every way.
1: I want to reiterate exactly what you said. Critically, I feel like this was a home run. I'm sure once this releases, there's probably something people can find to review bomb. And I'm not knowing or missing, but <laughs> I really liked it. And I felt like just from a critic standpoint, yeah, it's a slam dunk. Oh, and by the way, Something we haven't talked about yet. I thought it was actually kind of funny. (laughs) Like the reactions to the dead dead dad who was like, I'll be, what does he say? Rotting for you. (laughs) And I thought one of the funniest lines was the big Irish guy. Is it Irish or Scottish? I can't remember now. I think Scottish. Scottish. Okay. Excuse me, people from Ireland. Sorry. I didn't mean to to lump you in there. Um, But the Scottish guy, when he's like, what are those markings on your face? He's like, oh yeah, they're for my ancestors. He's like, yeah, I don't know about that or feelings or anything like that, but... <laughs> <laughs> but they are really cool looking. <laughs> But they are really cool. I don't know about feelings or all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple of times I laughed.
2: Yeah, no, there were several times, just little subtle things. that almost felt uh, like Marcus McFeely-esque, some of, the, some of the humor in that it's... It's that kind of like that is very MCU, like the the off the cuff, kind of subtle, not not Taika or James Gunn style laugh right. out loud, but a lot of little chuckles,
1: which I, I really enjoy. Man thing kind of being like group where we don't understand them, but the other people do. Right. <laughs> and right. When he like. Goes, and then he goes, I can't even think about food right now. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that I- was
2: pretty funny. I loved when she was like, he went that way. And he was like,
1: <laughs> like, just, like okay. yeah, Okay, great. <laughs> Anyways, how about the MCU of it all now?
2: Yeah, so, you know, first off, briefly, there, there are a lot of comics being referenced here. There was an era of Marvel actually even predating the Fantastic Four that was very... Uh, like monster comics, Western comics, and romance comics. Like before the superhero thing really took off, that was almost the, the origin of, of comics as a genre. And then in the 70s and 80s, Marvel kind of rediscovered that with Werewolf by Night, with Man-Thing that we saw here, with Ulysses and Elsa Bloodstone. And so we got really the whole Marvel MonsterVerse showed up here. I, I would say some of the notable exceptions would, would be like Blade, who we're going to be getting soon, and the the whole vampire side of all that. But Jack Russell, the werewolf by night, uh, is one of those classic characters that has not shown up very much at all in recent years, but for a while was big enough to have his own title series before Moon Knight did. Man-Thing is a really fun character that I'm excited to get into because it's it's not just a monster. We'll have to talk about this more as we dig into phase well phase 5 maybe, but man thing in the comics is this like a nexus being. Like he's he's has this multiversal capacity. But what? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this he, he's he's not just a monster. It's a very complex, uh, well, it, yeah, it's a, it's a conversation for, for another time. But there's a lot there. He, he, in terms of power set, has this touch that, like, it, it <laughs> it's a burning touch, which you saw here, but it's also related to the amount of fear that you have. And so we get a little shout-out to that whenever Jack's, like, talk to him like he's an old friend. Because I think there's the idea where, like, if you don't come to him with fear, then you're not going to be subject to that touch. Which they, I thought, explored well without doing explicitly. I don't know if they're going to do any of the the multiverse stuff. And so, I don't, you know, we don't have (laughs) the space to dig into all that here. But, given where the MCU is heading, and the fact that he had... A pretty prominent place in the special where he didn't have to, to be in, you know, like there, there are other characters, other kind of monsters that they could have brought in. Part of me thinks that they're going to go somewhere with that, but I guess we'll just have to see.
1: Yeah. To be totally honest, I have no idea what to think about any of that. Yeah. Again, if you've never read a comic, then I don't see how any of this fits <laughs> with what I've watched. Yeah, I mean, well,
2: that's the funny thing about Marvel Comics, even, is Jakino in interviews, has said that this is going to wind up being a really important part of the Marvel Universe. I think maybe Feige said that as well. And I'm fascinated by that, because that could just be straight marketing, and they're just trying to get people to watch it, which, fair. But if that's, if that's correct that would be something far removed from Marvel Comics because I talked about, you know, the, the olden days, but in terms of modern Marvel, you know, like 80s forward, and even, you know, most of the 60s, that was just not the driving factor. You know, it was Spider-Man and X-Men and, and Daredevil. It wasn't ever monster-hunting comics,
1: Okay, so dumb question: Do those ever interact? I mean, does Spider-Man ever run into Man Thing in a comic?
2: Yes, yeah. So they that that does happen, and there are some good interactions. And there's actually a, a cover that I've seen everybody sharing lately because it's just so MCU relevant at this particular moment. But Mark Wade's Daredevil actually has a, a crossover between Daredevil and a lot of the big monster characters. So they do interact, but it's always, like, a thing. Like, it's like, okay, here's Spider-Man and the monsters. Or here's Daredevil and and the monsters or just monster. And it's kind of, that's this three-to-five-issue arc. But it's never, hey, we have, like, a secret invasion or civil war or secret wars level event. And you know who's at the heart of it? The monsters. Like that's that's never how it plays out, and so I'm just. That's why I wonder with them saying that, and with Man Thing having that ability, or, or you know that quality in the comics, I, I have to think that they're gonna have some sort of tie there, because unless I don't know. it's just
1: tied to Blade, and Dane Whitman and stuff,
2: yeah, which is also true, uh, or or Moon you know, Knight. Maybe- Moon Knight. Too? Yeah, I mean, I was I I was half expecting some kind of Moon Knight or Blade shout out here. And I think that's why I'm I'm so curious to see what the connections are because there was a part of me that thought, okay, they're going to try to at least have one explicit connection just because it's the MCU and that's what they do and this is so seemingly disconnected that they'll want to have some tie in. And I think you know, it's interesting that they didn't – we didn't get an end credit scene or, or anything that had that kind of role.
1: And I wonder if we can extrapolate anything from this and project it forward to the Guardians special. Like, do we mm. think that the Guardians special will end up being this isolated, at least in feeling – that'll be interesting to see too, you know? Yeah. Like when we come back and reflect on these in a couple of years, I almost want to treat and rank these specials as their own thing. Like I can rank the special against another special, but I can't compare this to a movie or a show.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's a really good point. And so I wonder if this will be the vibe? Will they continue to make standalone things like this that feel isolated, but they're just kind of fun stories? Like, this is a fun welcome to fall, welcome to Halloween. Here's Marvel's version of that, and it's really fun. Or will they use it, like in the case of Guardians, to, like, really move the MCU storyline forward? Like, with Gamora, let's say. We talked about that. Like, maybe they go search for Gamora in that thing, so that Gamora is in... Guardians 3, and they actually use the special as a way to reverse some of the damage done in Infinity War and Endgame. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I need another special to kind of see if it's this similar or different, you know?
2: That no, that's a really good point. I this this makes me and, and you know, they'll be different in that the Guardian special has established characters, but I am curious how much you know, James Gunn does such a good job, even in, or especially I think in, in Peacemaker of exploring certain kind of kitschy elements really effectively. And I, I wonder in the holiday special, how much he leans into that and how different it feels even from the films or if it's, you know, very much in keeping there. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to compare that both to the other Guardians featured projects and also now we're off by night.
1: And again, to reiterate, everything I just said in the last five minutes was just about the MCU-ness of it. If I ask that question, it's not because I didn't like it. Critically, right. I thought it right. was great. I'm just asking from the MCU side, where does it fit? I have no idea is it leading to something? Not that I can tell yet, but we've heard it does, you know, it's just, it's confusing. Well, (laughs) and I think what's, what's interesting about it
2: is I would be so okay if it didn't, you know, like totally,
1: totally. It could just be a standalone Halloween thing. That's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's well done. It, It doesn't conflict with anything in the universe and I had a blast watching it and I, you know, I, I would love to normalize that being something that the MCU can do. So I don't want to come at it with this, well, but how do you connect? Because if you don't connect, then I'm, I am i don't care mentality. And I don't think either of us have that mentality. But I am, I, I'm curious because of some of these comments that have been made about it tying in and, and because of the fact that, you know, we are getting a Blade film. We are getting the Black Knight. And... The introduction of Man-Thing is, you know, it, it is a reasonably large introduction within the the Marvel pantheon. You know, like Man-Thing is, is one of those. He's not central, but he he's been a fixture within the comics for a long time.
1: All right, so genuine questions alert here for our audience. Seriously. Yeah. One, I'm kind of curious if we were supposed to interpret something more from the color change at the end Two, do people out there think man thing is going to hang around and be a more multiversal being, or is it just kind of like a side thing? Three, are we missing other connections in the MCU that you guys found? Did this project give you any indicators of what could be coming in a future MCU project? And four, I'm going to throw this last one on there. Did you guys enjoy all of the camp as much as I did? Because, Rob, what's interesting is I'm not usually the camp guy. Like, mm-hmm. you and Candace are the camp people. That's I know that's right. Thought Candace would like it. Um, I didn't like the campiness of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But I think because this was so leaned into and it's uh-huh. so specifically that genre whereas I wasn't looking for that genre as much in Multiverse of Madness Mm because it still had Wanda and Steven and my favorite characters and stuff. Right. This was like a whole new thing, felt separate, felt like Halloween, so I enjoyed the camp a lot. So did our audience enjoy the camp? Those are my four questions for everybody as we wrap this up.
2: Wow. Those are good questions. I actually – I also want to hear your – I know this is difficult. You don't have to rank it, but – just to, you know, in terms of your FFW, we're grading instincts. it now. Yeah, what was your yeah What was your grade? Just off the off I the cuff. I haven't thought about mine. I haven't thought about we mine. don't
1: we don't grade the initial reactions episodes. <laughs>
2: we we grade we grade, we, we grade our initial reactions to episodes though. So th- that's the thing. This is a weird. It's a it's
1: in a weird space. Just as critic or preference or what? I mean, I mean just, just as the way what they, it's trying to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the same way that you would grade an episode of She-Hulk. I mean, what it's trying to do, it's a let's freaking go minus. Yeah. To me, it's almost flawless for what it's trying to do. I could totally understand. I think the only reason I'm giving a minus is because I could see someone putting this on and being like, this is kind of just campy and not my thing. Right. Or this is not as scary as I thought it'd be. Like, I could see that. But that's it. I think, for what it's trying to pay homage to. It was funny. It looked good. I was tense. There was more gore than I thought there was going to be. The music was awesome. The acting was great. Yeah, so let's freaking go minus.
2: Wow. Yeah, no, that's, a, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I <laughs> I thought it was just really excellently executed. Uh, I, I could see some people... Having like the Candace reaction of, like, who, who here am I supposed to really relate to and, and care about if you're coming to it from that perspective? Now, I don't, I don't, you know, I think you can come to it looking for that and find people to relate to and be invested in. But I think just given the like the runtime and the amount that's being introduced, not just character wise, but also just the entire environment, I could see that. But for me, I, I think that I see what he was going for here, and I think he just killed it in a way that makes me so happy. So, yeah, I think let's freaking go minus feels very appropriate.
1: Well, and as I said earlier, Annika didn't know any of those things, like Cantus didn't. True, but yeah, true. she loved true. it entirely. True, so, wow. Fair. Yeah. Good point. Well, I asked our audience some questions, and I'd love to actually hear answers. You can email us. The FFW podcast.com, or you can follow us and hit us up on social media. Twitter, by the way, trying to grow our Twitter yeah. at the FFW podcast. We can be really conversational there. So that's been kind of fun. And then recently, TikTok with some fun new videos, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> including the Werewolf by Night preview that I was so proud of on TikTok and no one seemed to care about. But I was like, this is my greatest work. I mean, this oh, is the an, best an, thing I've excellent. ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of camp, right? I made that in my bathroom. Um, (laughs) So check us out there. Thank you so much for listening. We would love to have you along for the ride. So if you're new, join us. Let's go through the MCU together. We think you may enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Finishing up She-Hulk here on Friends From Work.